mundane telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service, and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now. Go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome to the David Pollock Show. I'm Welcome, welcome to the David Pollack Show. We are back, and boy, do we have a tremendous show for you this evening. Uh, we have a special two-hour show. Now, I'm not going to be on this radio station for two hours, but I am going to have a two-hour show. So if you like what you're hearing, you're going to have to go to our website or our social media. We're on Facebook Live. We're on Twitter Live. But you can always see our live broadcasts on social media at the davidpollockshow.com. I mean, at our website, davidpollockshow.com, where we're going to have our second hour. But fear not. Let's say you don't have a computer. You don't want to be on the computer. Or maybe you want to go to bed at 8 o'clock. Uh, we are going to be airing the special second hour of this show next Monday when I'm on vacation uh, for Independence Day. So um, we have a great show. We're going to be talking about education because HB1, the bill in Florida that gives you school choice, it's a really big deal. Uh, that bill goes into effect on July 1st. You can start applying for those school choice scholarships on July 1st. So what we're going to do tonight, and I know there's a lot going on in the world. I know you want me to talk about Russia. I know you want to talk about Trump and all these other crazy things that are going on in the world. Uh, but tonight, we're going to talk about education because it matters to people here at home. Uh, and if I'm going to be honest with you, and, and I will talk about Russia here really briefly. Here's the deal. I have tried to care about this, whatever you want to call coup, whatever it was over the weekend in Russia. And if you haven't been paying attention, I'm sure you have seen that this Wagner group decided that they're like, yeah, hey, we're going to go to Moscow and, and have a coup. And then they got like eh, most of the way there. And then they're like, okay, we're good. We're going home. <laughs> that was the coup. And of course, people who want us to be perpetually in war in Ukraine were like, see, Putin's weak. This is why we need to be sending billions of dollars to a Ukrainian government that really, really don't know. We should send all that money there because look how weak Putin is. And uh, other people are like, well, uh, I guess this isn't a real coup. Or, oh, maybe the West is interfering. 
Who knows? Who cares? And I tried. I tried. I tried to care. I read news stories about it. I thought about making this show about it. I tried to care. I just don't care. And the reason why I don't care is because I have fatigue of 20 years of war in Afghanistan, Iraq, every other place that we want to send our military, put our troops in harm's way for what? For politics and assisting governments that we have no idea if they're going to be our friends in five years, leaving military equipment when we leave Afghanistan, looking for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that don't exist. I am sick and tired of fighting foreign wars. Let's build our military. Let's be strong. But let's bring our troops home. I don't care what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. I said it. I said it. I said it. I don't care. You know why I don't care? I don't care because we have problems in the United States. We have crime in some of, most of our major cities. We have inflation. We have uh, all kinds of things. Public education is good. And we're going to talk about that tonight. We have real problems in the United States that we have to tackle. And we shouldn't be sending billions of dollars to arm Ukraine when we could be using those billions of dollars to help people here at home. There's people out of work. There's people that are homeless. There's people who are dying from fentanyl. And when we're, and I just don't care. I'm sorry I don't about Putin and Ukraine. And I know what everybody's saying. Oh, but Putin's a bad guy. And if we don't do the we, 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 who is we? Ukraine's not a NATO country. The United States isn't the world's police force. And if the world is so concerned, let the world do something about it. We've sent them enough money. So yeah, there you go. I don't care about what's going on in Russia or Ukraine. Not this week. We'll probably talk about it next week. So <laughs> with that, let's bring things to domestic issues because that is what I care about, which is why tonight I want to talk to you about education. I want to talk to you about education because if you've been paying attention these last couple of years, public school, uh, I mean, school boards have school board meetings have turned into a war zone. We have groups like Mom for Liberty who formed because school boards are like, we're going to tell you what you're going to do with your kids. You remember COVID and the masks and the lockdowns and, and keeping kids out of school. And parents have become increasingly frustrated with public education, not to mention woke, uh, critical race theory, all of these things. Public education isn't about education anymore. It seems to be about politics. So when 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 the legislature in Florida signed by Governor Ron DeSantis gave parents in Florida a choice. This is a big deal. It's a big deal for you at home. Those of you who are sending kids to failing public schools and you want an option and you, maybe you can't afford a private school. Well, now you can. Those of you who have been homeschooling your children because you're sick and tired of, of what the indoctrination is happening. Now you have options to help fund that. If you want to send your kids to micro schools, you have an option. We're going to be talking about all of that tonight. So I don't want to delay because I have a special, special, special guest host tonight. And I'm not going to mess up her last name. It's Colleen uh, Heroncheck. <laughs> She's on the phone. Colleen, welcome to the David Pollack Show. Thanks, David. I'm thrilled to be here. How did I do with your last name? <laughs> okay. It was one of the more interesting pronunciations I've heard. <laughs> Her it's best to say it for me. <laughs> Heroncheck. There you go. See, Heroncheck. That's exactly what I said. So That sounded like what I said. <laughs> 
Colleen, um, she, she's, and I'm going to give everybody your bio real quick. Um, she's a, po a policy analyst with Cato Center for Educational Freedom. She's a mother of four. Her children has experienced public, private, cyber, and home education. She has firsthand experience with many of the topics we're going to be discussing tonight. She is an education guru, and we are so excited to have you on the show tonight because we're going to be talking about education. So I think you probably heard my, my tangent about both Russia and education. And um, so I want to get right into it. I mean, what do you think about where we are right now in this country with it seems like public schools become controversial somehow, right? Well, definitely. And I mean, to be honest, it always has been controversial. It's an interesting experiment that, that people tried to kind of force everybody to go into a one-size-fits-all system. And there have been conflicts in it. From the very beginning at the Cato Institute, we have a public schooling battle map that we publish every, uh, you know, we keep updated all throughout the year. And from the very beginning of public education, these conflicts have been around because parents don't want their kids to be taught things that are antithetical to their own values. So in the early days, it was typically Protestant versus Catholic were the fights. And, you know, as things got later, then it was often religious versus non-religious. I think a lot of people don't know this, but public schools originally were pretty much Protestant schools, and there was a lot of anti-Catholicism in them. So there were fights over what, which Bible ver, uh, version to use. There were fights about certain curriculum that was anti-Catholic. And so, you know, we're seeing it more now in part because of social media, I think, and in part because... COVID really has shown a spotlight on some of these issues when kids were home with Zoom school and things like that. Parents saw firsthand what was happening. And you know, so it's, it's amplified now, but the fights have always been there. And it's really the nature of the beast if you're going to have what is you know, really a government-run school system. Yeah. And, and, and I also, and I don't want to take the show too off the rails, but there's a lot of talk about uh, public schools there being an, an ulterior motive um, with public schools as well. And, and that's why a lot of people are against, I guess, the, the federal department of education and that, that like certain, you know, ideologies and, and sort of indoctrination can happen at a, a mass level. I mean, is that just folklore or is there something to that as well? Well, I mean, I suppose to some degree indoctrination is in the eye of the beholder. Um, people that are anti-religious view raising your kids, with their faith tradition to be indoctrination and people who have, you know, are, are religious will view the, what's going on on the secular side of things, especially with the gender things and of that as indoctrination. So, yeah. um, you know, I just, I think that that kind of goes at the very root of why there are these conflicts is because education truly is forming children, not just their you know, not just inputting knowledge to them, but it's it's shaping them. It's shaping their values in a lot of ways. And it's a deeply personal thing. And that's why parents get so upset when the schools that they are legally mandated to send their kids to are teaching them something that is in complete opposition to their values. Yeah. Is it just the United States thing? Or, I mean, other countries have public school. Are the, the same type of conflicts occurring abroad as well, or is this just an American phenomenon? So the American system is pretty interesting. It's very, it's, it's an outlier in terms of other democracies. So uh, countries in Europe, a lot of them have a more pluralistic education system, it's called. 
And that means that they're funding multiple types of schooling. So it's not just a government-run school. They fund religious schools and secular schools and Montessori schools and a whole host of things. And that's just, that is their public education system because really public education means educating the public, right? It doesn't mean, it doesn't have to mean educating the public through one particular system of schools. And that's what's developed in the United States over time, but in a lot of other places, they've taken the more pluralistic route, more pluralistic route to avoid these conflicts because they've recognized that if you're going to try to force everybody into this one type of school, then you're always going to have these fights. So the best way really to diffuse these fights is to let funding follow students and then parents can choose the educational environment that works best for them and you'll diffuse a lot of these fights. So if that's so common in other countries, why does it seem like, and, and this is actually a really good a segue into HB1, which we'll talk about after the break, but um, why is this so controversial in the United States then, just to give parents a choice? Well, it's largely, I would say, because of the teachers' unions and then the rest of the kind of education establishment, if you will. So you've got a lot of people's jobs who are tied in to our public school system, and they fight very hard against having kids against kids having other options that's what it comes down to yeah and it's sad polling it's not at all controversial school choice is very wide very widely popular among every single demographic group it's only among politicians but it's not and that's because they're funded by people that benefit from the status quo and are trying to protect it It, that's an excellent point and then that's the unfortunate reality of it is you know it, it you always hear especially you know I want to say especially, but a lot of the criticism of school choice comes from the left. And what they talk about is, you know, oh, this is going to take funding out of public schools. But a lot of these underserved communities, they have to send their kids to failing schools. These school choice offers people who have less access to resources the opportunity to send their kids to schools where they have a better chance to do better. And I don't understand how that's partisan. I don't. And I don't understand how if you want to raise your children in a religious environment, I don't understand how you don't have the choice to do that, or if you want to raise your kids in a non-religious environment, why that's controversial either. We saw it in, in with with COVID and the masks, like whether or not you 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 wanted to have your child child masked or not. Well, shouldn't there be a place for people to go where they can feel safe at school? And others who didn't want to, I mean, not, I don't think that's controversial, but that's why I think HB one is so great. It gives parents, at least in Florida, an opportunity, and I think it's going to be a testing ground. I'm going to go to a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to have State Representative Susan Placencia, who was a co-sponsor of HB1, which is the school choice bill in Florida. So we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of what the school choice bill actually is. Colleen, thank you so much for joining us. And you're sticking around for the whole two hours to guest host the show. And I'm excited to have you here. So we're going to be uh, tag teaming all of these issues today. And uh, so we'll be back right after the break. Don't go anywhere. A sunny sky, so shiny and blue, and there's a butterfly. Well, isn't that a super fantastic sign? It's gonna be a fantastic day. Such marvelous. With today's economic environment, it's never been more important to secure your hard-earned wealth for you and your family's future. FinSec Life works to offer industry-leading customer service to help successful individuals and businesses protect their wealth. Whether it's a business succession plan, estate liquidity, or a variety of life and long-term care policies, FinSec Life can help deliver peace of mind, knowing that if something happens, you or your company is taken care of. 
Visit finseclife.com. That's F-I-N-S-E-C life.com. Securities offered through Valmark Security, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Valmark Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. Finsec Life is a separate entity from Valmark Securities, Inc. and Valmark Advisors, Inc. Now it's time for your Mortgage Minute, brought to you by the Joe Onofre Mortgage Team. Hey guys, Joe Onifer here. Would you like to buy a home for your family but think you need to save more money to make it happen? What if I told you you can buy now and stop the endless cycle of saving? What if I told you we have loan programs that require no down payment? What if I told you I offer down payment assistance programs to help buy now instead of waiting? Would you consider buying now? Because there is a cost of waiting. Waiting just one year on a $400,000 home could have a cost of $20,000, $30,000, or even more when you factor in lost equity gain and throwing money out the window renting. If this is something you'd like to know more about, let's chat. Give me a ring at 407-720-8514 or online at LenderJoe.com. NMLS number 147-3557. And welcome back to the David Pollitt Show. We're talking education. We're talking education with Colleen as my special guest co-host because she is the education guru, smartest person I've ever met with respect to education. So, of course, she has to be here. Um, right now, we're going to be switching gears a little bit. We're well, not switching gears, but we're going to be talking about HB1. And HB1 is the official name of the school choice bill that we have in Florida. There's only a handful of states that has the school choice um, this is really revolutionary. This is giving parents a choice of how they want to educate their children and have those funds follow the children. And so I'm really excited um, to have State Representative Susan Placenti, who's co-sponsored HB1 on the line. And, and she's going to go over everything that's in the bill. So if you guys are, are a lot of people don't know a lot about school choice, which is crazy, because on July 1st, you can start applying for these scholarships. And, and I think you know, we've talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago when we talked about the legislative wrap-up, but I think it's really important that the listeners and the viewers online know exactly what opportunities they have now to educate their children. So, Representative uh, Placencia, thank you for joining, and welcome to the show. You're on with David and Colleen. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Now, um, you and I have spoken, um, and uh, you gave you told me an inspiring story about why you why school choice was so important to you. And I was hoping you can share a little bit about why this, why school choice means so much to you. And then I want to talk about the highlights of the bill. Sure, absolutely. So uh, my children were children uh, in the 2000s. They were uh, just starting elementary school. And my, I have three kids. And my middle son, uh, the public school system had deemed him special education. And they had slated him for the special education courses. And that was going to be his path. And I knew my son was not special education. I knew that he was, he was going to be able to accomplish much more than what they thought that he could. Um, so I had to step in. I stepped in as a parent. I, uh, at some point, I homeschooled. But I was able to get in right at the beginning of when the voucher program, the scholarship program, started in Florida. And this was the early 2000s. So all three of my children pulled them all out of the public school system. And um, eventually they, they were well-received at Eastland Baptist Church, fantastic school. 
and um, my son, the one that was deemed uh, special education, graduated near top of his class and went on to study computer engineering at UCF. Now, all three of my kids are successful, um, but him in particular was so important for me because he just learned differently. It wasn't even about that he had a disability. He just learned differently, and it just took a school and a teacher to recognize that. Um, but if not for school choice, uh, he might not be in, in, in the profession that he is today that he truly enjoys um, and he's successful at. So I, I made sure to fight every single year since then for school choice, for school vouchers. It wasn't something that was um, completely accepted in the state of Florida, although it had passed uh, back then. Um, but because of the phone calls and emails and, and going over there and speaking to legislators or over the years, uh, a great group of parents and advocates uh, were able to make this something that is, is at the heart of our, our school system now in that we have choice. It's in Florida. It's not going anywhere. It's permanent. We have choice. So it was important for me when I was elected to uphold that and expand it. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. And uh, I mean, that, that's what I love about legislators who have a passion go into office because they want to be a parent. They want to be that community member that wants to advocate mm -hmm. versus other people who get into it for the wrong reasons. These, the, you know, your class specifically um, in our state house, there's a lot of, uh, there, there really is a lot of strong leadership and, and we've, and, and we had a whole show about everything you guys accomplished. So I love hearing those stories. Now I want to talk Thank about you. the highlights of the bill because this, how does this, how is this changing people's lives now? Like what, what does Floridians now have the opportunity to do? Because there's no income limits on school choice anymore, right? So how can Floridians benefit and, uh, from the bill? So the money follows the child. That's it. We know Florida no longer funds systems. We fund students. And so sky's the limit, really. If you want to find a good private school for your children that take this scholarship, you can use it. If you want to homeschool, now traditional homeschool is a little different, so you know, take that. But if you want to homeschool your children, you can do that now as well. Because inside of this school choice bill, which is now law, you're able to fund the curriculum that before you had to pay out of pocket for, um, things that you need that are traditionally in the classroom, like dissecting a frog, right? Stuff you would never think about. That would be in a homeschool setting, but if it's in the public school setting, it is now also available in a in a homeschool setting. You're able to be able to homeschool your child and make sure that the money that's slated for your child from the government is available to you, so that your child is educated in a way that you think is most helpful for that child. Wow! And then how also and then. So we're going to talk later on the show in the second hour about other educational opportunities like micro schools and things like that. How can this money be used for things like that? Well, it's, it's still yet to be seen. So it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of this works out. Um, I do know that there's opportunities for everyone, and the goal is to educate the child. Parents are the ones that know what's needed. Parents are the ones that understand their child. And I think public school teachers are fantastic. And this is in no way uh, saying that public schools are bad. If you have a public school that is great for your child, then that's where your child should be. But 
teachers are in your child's life for a year, parents are always there. We know what's best. Yeah. And, and, and then speaking of teachers, ahead, uh, one of the it. things that one of the things that we see a lot, especially out of Florida, is teachers taking advantage of these kinds of programs and starting their own schools. And I'm curious if you've heard from any teachers who are going that route. I have not heard from that. But if they have a great school that they can put together, then more power to them. Do you know, um, Absolutely. Representative Valencia, do you know uh, how generally how much money a parent would receive, let's say, to send their kid to private school? Or, you know, is there a certain dollar amount? Is it income-based? How, how do you know how much money you have um, from sure, the bill? Sure, it's no longer income-based. It's at about $8,000, give or take a few, but at about $8,000. Most private schools uh, will accept that. Um, some of them will ask for a little bit more, and so if you have the means to pay more than you do, but the majority of them will work with you within the scholarship. Oh, so if at it, least the ones here in Orange County that I've spoken to. So if there's a school that, say, charges seventeen thousand dollars or eighteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars a year for tuition, but you have an eight thousand dollars scholarship from the state, schools might be willing to work with parents and maybe lower their tuition rate to to match what the scholarship money offers. Absolutely. My brother is a Marine with three kids, or they're grown to as well, but three children. And he took his children to a private school that charged that much money. And uh, they went ahead and they gave him a scholarship for the difference. Wow. Oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. That, I think that's really helpful to parents listening at home who might look at it. Uh, you just have to ask. Absolutely. Wow. That, that's fantastic. And then as far as, um, uh, Colleen, do you have any questions before I continue? Because I'll just keep asking all day. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I was listening to a podcast out of Florida recently, and the guest on it, it said that the new program is income limited. She said it wasn't originally, but now there's a it's 400% of the federal poverty level. My reading of it is that that's just the second priority. So first priority goes to lower income families whose income is below 185% of the federal poverty level. Mm -hmm. And then the second priority is 185 to 400. But then after that, it's just open. Is that correct? Was the, the person That's who, correct. who got so, the cap was wrong? It, it, what you said was correct. And so we felt um, that there was enough money to fund the entire program and keep not make sure that there are no waiting lists. But out of an abundance of caution, uh, we made sure that there was a tiered level so that if, God forbid, one year that wasn't the case, uh, there was um, a priority given to um, people who couldn't afford it. But it's our economy is doing so well. I can't ever see that um, happening, but we're conservatives and that's what we do. And so there we are. That, that's Colleen. That was an excellent question. So, so representative Palencia, so what you're saying is f for parents who are hoping to take advantage of this, the money is there and they don't need to worry right correct. now. The money is there. That's correct. That is correct. Uh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Representative Palencia, we're coming up on a break. This was really, really, really helpful, and I think a lot of parents out there are really going to appreciate um, the opportunity now they have to educate their children the way they see fit. And thank you for all the work you did um, putting this bill together. And, um, you know, this is delivering results for Floridians. And um, so, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and giving us all this insight. You're welcome. Thank you. Of course. All right, guys, we are going to a break. But once we come back from the break, don't go anywhere because now we have a representative from Step Up for Students. That's how you apply uh, for the scholarships that Representative Valencia was just talking to you about. So we're going to have Ron Mattis coming up, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at Step Up for Students. And he's going to tell us 
how we can actually get these scholarships. So guys, don't go anywhere. Really good information. Colleen's staying with me. She's a superstar and she's doing a great job. And uh, so stick around. Uh, the David Pollock Show will be back right after this. great big They got little nose, tiny little teeth. They wear platform shoes on the nasty little feet. Well, I don't want no short people. Don't want no short people. Don't want no short people out here. David Pollock here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. Business owners, are you sick of dealing with those big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service and then lock you into long-term contracts? That's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at Public Telephone Company. They are an industry-leading VOIP provider offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free with competitive pricing. But perhaps the best part, they're all about supporting their customers with U.S.-based customer service, and they're always willing to go the extra mile. Don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit them at publictelephonecompany.com. That's publictelephonecompany.com. Hey friends, David Pollock here. If you're craving the best soft serve ice cream around, Topper's Creamery's got you covered. Serving the Apopka community for over a decade, Topper's is known for the finest old-fashioned custard-style soft-serve ice cream in a variety of flavors, from their French vanilla bean to exciting specials like German chocolate cake. But the experience doesn't end there. Be sure to grab a fresh-baked waffle cone or a sundae topped with my favorite, the fresh-baked brownies. They even offer pup cups for your four-legged friends. So hurry in to Topper's Creamery in Apopka, South 512 Hunt Club Road. Make sure to tell them David sent you. Sometimes I just like the music and I listen. This is a good one. <laughs> Welcome back to the David Pollock Show. You know, I, I guess I, I, we let short people play a little long. And what's funny about that is when I was putting my playlist together for the David Pollock Show, best playlist in talk radio, uh, my wife made fun of me. <laughs> and then because I know you can't tell I look like seven feet tall, but, uh, you know, I have radio height. And uh, so anyway, short people's playing. And then Gabe, my producer back here, what does he do? He points his finger at me and laughs. <laughs> oh, Gabe. Speaking, I'm going to go on a tangent real quick because it's Dave Pollock show. That's what I do. I, I took my daughter to uh, Typhoon Lagoon on Friday. It was, you know, it's summertime. I don't want her sitting around on, on video games. So uh, I took my daughter and, a and my other, both my daughters and a friend over to Typhoon Lagoon. And my youngest, she's, um, you know, she's not very tall. She takes after her father. But she's like eight and a half years old. But we go to these parks, you have to be 48 inches. My daughter is like 47 and three quarters and 0.999 millimeters tall. 
she's just about 48 inches, okay? And I don't know how accurate those tall signs are that says you have to be this tall to ride. I would like to bring a tape measure one day because there's deviations in concrete and temperature, I'm sure, and, and warped wood. So anyway, we'd go on this slide, the, the I forget, Crush and Gush, it's called. It's a fun slide, actually, Typhoon Lagoon. And uh, so we're going on this thing. Sometimes they're nice. They let her go. So we're going on and on. We're about three or four times on this thing. And then she goes up again and she gets one of these overachievers. You know, one of these guys is like, literally, I mean, you guys wouldn't believe this. Like she's getting all excited. And you have to carry this tube up 17 flights of stairs. So I carry my tube up 17 flights of stairs. Our daughter's all excited to go. My older daughter and her friend and my other daughter's friend, they're tall enough to go. I bring my daughter up there. She's like, they're measuring her like princess, Put your feet flat on the floor. And, you know, and then she's like trying to be tall, you know, like putting her neck up real straight. And he's like, no, 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 don't, don't stretch your neck. And he's like pulling out like, like measuring tools, like a carpenter. I mean, this went on for like five minutes of him trying to prove a, I mean, thank God he's not a prosecutor for the Trump team. But I mean, this dude was like, I mean, everybody in line is like rolling their eyes and he's like pushing her head down, checking her hair height. Anyway, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, she's not going to be able to go. I'm like, dude. We've been on this thing like 17 times. My daughter's heartbroken. She's getting upset. And everybody in line's like, what's up with this guy? Overachiever. He's not winning any customer service awards. But either way, I just handed him the tube. I'm like, well, you're carrying it down then. That was my, my moment. I'm like, well, I'm not carrying my tube down. Sticking it to the man. Well, anyway, <laughs> short people. So getting back to education, because that's what we're all here to, <laughs> to do. Um, uh, we were, <laughs> I'm really, really excited to be joined by uh, Ron Mattis. Uh, he's the director of policy and public affairs at Step Up for Students, which is really important because this is how you guys are going to get your scholarship money to send your short people to whatever school you want to send them to. So, Ron, welcome to the David Pollack Show. You're on with me and Colleen. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, David. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. And Colleen, hi to you. Uh, thanks, thanks for the invite. Hey, Ron. Yeah, it is certainly our pleasure to have you. So, I mean, again, parents don't really, I mean, it's out there. They know their school choice. They don't really know what it means. We heard from Representative Palencia to talk about how people can actually qualify. And the way to go and get these scholarships is through you, right? So how does your program work? Well, so they can just go to the website, Step Up for Students. Um, and there's, you know, right there on the front page are some buttons that say CR scholarships. And you just go in there and then start the process that way. Pretty easy. Then how does and then so is that the only way to get the scholarships? It's is through Step Up for Students. Well, there are two scholarship funding organizations in Florida. Um, we are the the biggest one. We've been around for about twenty years, and we probably serve about ninety nine percent of the scholarship students. Yeah, it's your ads that I've seen like pop up everywhere. Um, so I so you guys are doing a good job with definitely getting to know the people. So let's say I'm a parent and I want to get one of these scholarships. Uh, I can go to your website and apply. What's that process like? How long does it take? How complicated is the application? What do you guys ask for? Blood samples? What? <laughs> well, I'm not on the operations side, so I don't know if I'm the best person to, to ask all the details of that. I mean, you know, there's some pretty basic paperwork um, that's got to be submitted, including for the time being, you know, um, some forms that um, get at where you live. And so to make sure that you're a Florida resident, and forms that get out what your income is because, you know, as uh, Representative Placencio was explaining, there's still, you know, it's not income-based anymore, but we still might have to, might, might have to 
you know, um, if we if we end up going to a waiting list, um, determine things by income so that the lowest income families get served first. But just basic stuff like that. Okay. And then in your experience now, I mean, you guys are the largest organization and you do this not just in Florida. This is all over the country where you have it, right? Is it the other states have, do you have contracts in other states, I guess, to, for if they have a school choice type program? Well, we, we do work in West Virginia um, and help administer their education um, savings account program up there. Uh, but there are other SFOs all over the country that are doing similar work to us. But West West Virginia and Florida are our mainstays. And how much interest have you seen? I mean, I know you're on the application side, but as far as your organization is concerned, how much interest have you seen recently since, I guess, schools have become more controversial as of late? Have you seen a lot more interest in um, the scholarship programs? You know, the scholarship programs have um, grown steadily ever since I've been at Step Up. And I joined Step Up, I guess, 11 years ago now. And there's been pretty steady growth since then. I mean, maybe it's grown a little bit more recently, like at a little bit of an accelerated rate. Um, but it's been pretty steady the whole time. And I don't think there's, um, you know, any one thing that drives parents to choice. I mean, there's a million things. Um, you know, I think there, there is, you know, some of the culture war stuff that, play, that plays a role into parents wanting scholarships. But there's also a lot of, of more fundamental things that we've been hearing about forever. You know, things like basic academics not working for their kid or things like bullying and school safety. Um, I mean, those are the things that I've heard most often o over the years and the things that I think are still driving the interest for options. No. Colleen, do you have any, uh, you want to jump in? Sure. I was just wondering when, you know, in the lead up, passing HB1, what sort of roadblocks did you mostly encounter? Because when this is a podcast or anyone streaming now, for other states who might be listening, leaders in other states, you know, maybe they'll glean some tips from how you guys made, you know, made it over the, the final hurdle there to become a universal program. Wow, that's a great question. Uh, you know, we are so lucky and, and almost spoiled in Florida. Um, you know, we are lucky because we have such widespread support, not only in the general public, but amongst lawmakers. I mean, so there were, you know, there were super, uh, there were Republican supermajorities. So I think just about everybody was on board. And then we've also benefited from the fact that we've had you know, private school choice programs in Florida for more than 20 years. And so there was a track record. It wasn't like a state had to go from zero to 60 and say, well, what's this going to do to our system? We knew, and everybody uh, up in the legislature knew what expanding choice had done for the system over the past 20 years or so. And it's done nothing but make the system better. So your question is a great one, but I, you know, I don't know that there were any particularly big hurdles. I mean, there was a lot of hard work, obviously, that went into it from all kinds of people and all kinds of groups from all walks of life um, to make it happen. But I, you know, it wasn't as um, it it wasn't as daunting as you think it would be. I mean, I, I think the the lawmakers in Florida have supported choice strongly forever, and they were happy to make this last big lift. 
Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah. I think, oh, go ahead, Colleen, please. No, I was just I was saying it's great to hear. Um, and Brian, I think did you help with the uh, step up report a year or so ago on the teachers turned entrepreneurs? Because to me, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough, and a lot of teachers don't realize how much they can benefit from school choice. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that question. Um, that that was a, a paper I got to work on. Um, that came out last summer, and what it really speaks to is how much choice does benefit teachers. I mean, you know, we talk, uh, we talk about it primarily in terms of students and families, rightfully so, that is what's driving this, but it turns out that choice also has huge benefits from teachers. I mean, in Florida now, we literally have tens of thousands of teachers who are teaching in choice sectors, either in charter schools, which we have nearly 700 charter schools now, or in all the private schools that have, have grown up and been created or been expanded since private school choice came on the scene. So literally tens of thousands of teachers are in those other sectors. And we know from uh, plenty of survey data that those teachers are much happier and much more satisfied than their counterparts in traditional public schools. And then, you know, going back to the paper, I mean, even more, even more encouraging, we have more and more former public school teachers who are creating their own options because they, too, want a choice. And so if for whatever reason, you know, they're frustrated in, in a district school, and this is not to point fingers at district schools or anything like that, but if for whatever reason it's not working for them in the same way it's not working for um, kids and families, they can create their own options, and it's becoming easier and easier because the amount of the scholarships getting bigger, um, the amount of money available for scholarships has gotten bigger and bigger, the eligibility has expanded again and again, and now it's universal. So it's you know becoming easier and easier for teachers to create their own amazing schools. And Colleen, I know you've talked to some of these folks. They're, they're <laughs> mushrooming all over the place. There are so many new schools crop, cropping up that are created by former public school teachers, it's hard to keep up with. And there's just amazing diversity in them, and there is unbelievable joy amongst those teachers in having the power to create them. Wow. Yeah, Shereen Radigan is going to be joining us in the next hour, so she'll get to talk, talk about her story. Oh, awesome. Well, she's, she's a dynamo. She's a, she's, she would be my Exhibit A and why, you know, um, choice is great for teachers. Yeah. Now, of course, I mean, all of this is great for parents and it's great for students as well. A lot of the criticism we've heard um, is that, you know, this is taking money out of public schools. This is going to hurt kids. But it sounds like you're saying the exact opposite. This is giving uh, teachers more um, uh, job satisfaction. It's giving students more choices. Can you speak to that? Yeah, David, you know, it, it's funny. Like if you look at the history of school choice in Florida and you go back and, you know, um, like do a nexus search every single going back to the late 1990s every single time there has been a choice program introduced or a choice program significantly expanded you hear from the critics that the sky is going to fall so everything that you just said we've heard in the starkest terms over and over again for 20 25 years none of that's happened the only thing that's happened is that the system has gotten better and better and better any which way you want to measure it. Whatever academic indicators you want to look at, if you want to look at grad rates, if you want to look at national math and reading scores, 
if you want to look at um, advanced placement exam results, um, if you want to look at parent satisfaction, everything has gotten better as choice has expanded. So, you know, you hear the apocalyptic rhetoric now and you just go, okay, here we go again. It, it's not added up to anything. The only thing that's happened with the expansion of choice is that there have been more options for more families to find what works for more kids, and the system just keeps getting better and better. That, that's great to hear, and it's good to hear that side of it because, of course, right, the sky is falling is what you hear. And, uh, you know, coming up, we're going to take a quick break, but coming up after the break, we're going to have Amy Penick. She's a school board member, and we're going to ask her about public schools and all of those things. Ron, thank you so much for being on the David Pollock Show with Colleen and I. And, um, and it, yeah, great stuff, and, you know, that was really helpful information, I think, for our listeners and our viewers. So thank you so much for being on the show, and thanks for the work you do. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Stay tuned, everybody. Dave Pollock Show will be right back. Did you know that every 40 seconds, someone in the United States suffers a stroke? And every three minutes and 14 seconds, someone dies from a stroke. These statistics are staggering. But even more surprising is the fact that stroke can affect people of all ages, with one in seven stroke sufferers being younger than 49. The Scott Coopersmith Stroke Awareness Foundation is on a mission to spread awareness about stroke in younger individuals. In 2009, Scott Coopersmith passed away unexpectedly from a stroke at just 32 years old, leaving behind a wife and a child. The foundation was started in his memory to connect stroke sufferers with the resources they need to overcome this devastating condition. If you want to help young families struggling with the impact of stroke, consider making a donation to the Scott Coopersmith Stroke Awareness Foundation. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of those affected by stroke. Visit strokeawarenessfoundation.org to learn more and donate today. That's strokeawarenessfoundation.org. Are you an insurance agent or property manager looking for a reliable and accurate property inspection? Floridian Property Consultant specializes in citizens' insurance packages and replacement cost appraisals, so you can get bound quickly, easily, and accurately. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than you need. Work with a company that respects your time and budget as much as you do. Visit online at FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. That's FloridianPropertyConsultants.com. David Pollack here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit the davidpollockshow.com. There you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit the davidpollockshow.com. What movie is this from? It's from some great 80s movie, I think, right? I don't know, but I, I like it. <laughs> the best soundtrack in all of talk radio here on the David Pollock Show. Welcome back to the final segment. The show is flying by, but don't worry because we have a two-hour show for you tonight. An hour here on the radio and then another hour exclusively at thedavidpollockshow.com or on our social media on Facebook, Twitter, or anywhere else we're streaming live. So don't go anywhere. And if you miss all that, don't worry. You can hear it. The second hour is going to air here to next week at Monday at 7 p.m. when I'm on vacation. 
So if look, we got a busy show and we got callers all the time, but if you want to call in and try to make a comment for the show or ask a question, any of our guests, the call-in number is 407-774-8255, 407-774-8255. We will do our best to get you on the air, uh, but I don't want to waste any more time because we're running out of time quickly. Oh, and by the way, Dirty Dancing. That's where Hungry Eyes is from, Dirty Dancing. There is no prize. Sorry, nobody got it right. I want to welcome Amy Pennick. She's a school board member in Seminole County, Florida. Amy, welcome to our show. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing well, and Colleen is still with us as well. She's my special co-host, Cato Institute expert, and supreme great question asker. Fantastic. Hi, Amy. Thank you. <laughs> so um, we, sorry, my wife got it right. She texted me. I just got a text message from her. I don't want to get in trouble. My wife texted me, told me it was dirty dancing. Sorry, everybody. I just have to clarify. I don't want to sleep on the couch. So <laughs> if you've heard, we, we've had a very interesting show. We've talked to a representative Placencia. We've talked about HB1 and what's in it, how it helps parents. Uh, we talked to the representative from State Step Up for Students. We talked about how to apply for these things. You represent, I'm going to say represent public schools, but you're a school board member here in Seminole County. So obviously, look, Seminole County is known to have the best public schools. It's just one of the best school districts in the state. I moved to Seminole County because of the public schools. My kids go to public schools. We're very happy with public schools. But there is lots of reasons why people not want, might not want to send their kids to public school. But I wanted to give the opportunity to kind of discuss the good things that are happening in Seminole County public schools and maybe talk about some of the challenges. Um, so I just wanted to give you the floor and, and if you could talk about, you know, some of the good things that are happening in Seminole County public schools and then talk about school choice a little and how you imagine or expect if there is any expectation that it might affect you guys in any way. Sure. Well, thank you again for having me on uh, great conversation. Um, school, you know, Seminole County is a choice district. Um, we believe in choice. We believe the parents should have, the ability to make the best choice for their family, for their students. Um, we obviously want us to be the best choice, and we are for many, many students, and for some, um, we just aren't a right fit. Um, what we do really well is uh, wonderful. We have, we're number one in the state of Florida for STEM. Uh, we we kind of jokingly refer to us as Seminole County. Um, within the past Four years, we have created uh, really great programs to get access to physics to all of our elementary students and have three physics buses that rotate through all the elementary schools to really show kids what physics is. Physics is in our lives every day. It's in cooking. It's in, you know, electronics. It's in driving. It's everywhere. Uh, and it's not something to be afraid of. And so giving these kids the opportunity to see what what physics is and how it can inspire them has been a really good tool to get kids in 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 STEM education. Yeah, um, we have great CTE programs. I will I will highlight our biggest one is at uh, Lyman School. We have the Asian Buildings Program really? Skills Trade. Um, still a phenomenal opportunity for kids. CT uh, education and go straight into the workforce in plumbing. I wage jobs where you don't have to have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. Uh, you can go out in the world and become a plumber and uh, make a heck of more money than uh, even some of the kids that are going out and getting, you know, high uh, master's degrees. 
without without the half load of of the fees that come along with that college degree. One of the one of the other highlights that the share at the Lyman uh, CTE building is uh, we have a really great welding program, and uh, kids start out with a virtual welding program. So uh, have to they go through this program? They learn how to weld uh, in virtual reality, and in order to move on to the hands-on portion of welding to pass. Uh, the the skills test virtually uh, with uh, I think a 90 percent um, rate. So uh, as a parent, you know we always arguing at our kids off electronic, get off virtual reality, get off the game. Um, we have a 95 percent pass rate wow. on these students passing uh, the virtual test of of welding to go into the hands-on portion, and they attribute that to these kids growing up in the electronics world. Wow. Hey, so, um, hey Amy, we it, have a little bit of a, little a bad connection. Amy, can you hear? We're having yeah. a little bit of a bad connection. There's a little bit of interference. I'm not, I, I want our listeners to be able to hear everything you're saying and get everything. Do you have a, like AirPods on or something that? I do, and I'm, it's been bad ever since I joined, so maybe I should hang up and call back in. Could you do that? Just hang up and call sure. right back. Guys, this is live radio. This is how we do it, but we want to deliver you the most perfect audio we can. Yeah, just hang up and call right back, and Gabe will get you right back on the air. Colleen, you still with us? I am, yeah. It was good to hear her talking about the district there embracing choice and recognizing that they need to be there for parents and do their best so that they are the school that parents choose rather than what we see from a lot of people where they're trying to make it so people have no choice about the local public school. Yeah. So that was very encouraging to hear. Yeah. Well, she's back on. Um, Amy, welcome okay. back. Sounds better. Uh, yeah. 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 So <laughs> sorry about that. Well, I, I was trying to be like all professional radio. Let's ignore it. But then I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> no, stop me. Let's get it right. <laughs> all right. Well, I want to let you continue. You were talking about um, how the district allows for school choice. You were talking about um, the STEM program. You were talking about all the um, technological advantages that Seminole County Public Schools has. And I can tell you, I agree with all of that. My kids do um, enjoy tremendously a lot of the programs. I mean, now, we've always said, the like elementary school that I sent my kids to in Seminole County, we said it was like a private school. I mean, it was so well run. And But I look, I understand that this is a statewide program. Not all school districts are great like Seminole County. And that's yeah. why we like the school choice. But also, like you've seen in school board meetings, you know, we do have a great school district. And a lot of and the education is top notch. But parents seem to th- uh, be concerned on, you know, regardless of politics, um, one side, you have parents concerned about masking or, or certain um, curriculum issues. On the other side, same thing. <laughs> it's just from a different perspective. And, and I know the school board's taken a lot of heat. And, you know, some of those meetings have gone on very, very long. And, and you guys have uh, sort of taken a lot of blows about that and trying to do your best um, to make sure you're still focusing on education for the children. Um, you know, how has this, you know, is this making, is all the, I guess, conflict right now making it difficult Um for the district and 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 my second question and my follow-up to that is is it possible that the school choice will allow people to feel i mean we already offer some level of school choice but it'll allow parents to feel less tethered to things they might disagree with and maybe their school board meetings will be less long what do you think okay so very great point i will just i would like to say this 
Um, we are very fortunate in Seminole County. The national problems that we're seeing played out in school board meetings across the United States, we don't have a lot of those national problems here. So the challenges that we have in our school board meetings are outside influences, bringing those national problems into the school board meeting. We don't, we don't have a lot of those issues. Um, so I think that we work really hard to make sure we don't. We work really hard to make sure that um, we're educating every student to the best of their ability with, with the services that we can provide. Um, I, I think spot on um, with school choice, with the, uh, the availability of funding for other families to follow the choice that works best for them is going to definitely untether opinions of the school system. Um, is it going to change our board meetings? I don't know. I, that's, that's a wild guess. I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, well, but, hopefully, but I, hopefully it'll make a difference. I, I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Um, Seminole County Schools re remains uh, the best, and uh, so your contribution is certainly noted. Um, I really appreciate you joining the show and keep up the good work uh, on behalf of our kids. So thank you so much for being a part of the show, Amy. Absolutely. Guys, don't go, don't go anywhere. Uh, we have another hour of the show. Our radio show is ending, but we have a whole nother hour of radio for you just online. So if you like what you're hearing, we have some exciting things coming up, guys. We have, uh, we have, we're going to be talking about micro schools. We're going to be talking about homeschool. We're going to be talking about private school. So all these other options, even, the, even if you don't want to send your kids to the great Seminole County Public Schools or anywhere you might be, I want to, we're going to educate you on what other options you have for your kids. Colleen's sticking around for the second hour. So please don't go anywhere. And again, if you can't make it to our website, we're, this is going to be aired. The second hour of Dave College Show will be aired next week on Monday, 7 p.m. while I'm on vacation, so you can catch it there. But if you want, if you can't wait and you want the sneak preview, uh, go to my website, thedavidpollockshow.com right now, and you can pick up the next hour of the show because we're going to be talking about a lot of great things. So thank you very much for the radio audience, and don't go anywhere because hour two of the David Pollock Show is on my website, the only place. Thank you for listening to the radio portion of the David Pollock Show. Just to do your thing. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. WORL, Orlando. News Talk Station of the Year. With this SRN News update. Starting now. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters reporting. The next big advance in cancer treatment could be a vaccine. Ed Donahue reports. These shots are designed to shrink tumors and stop cancer from coming back. Dr. Nora Desis at the University of Washington Medicine's Cancer Vaccine Institute says the vaccines boost the immune system to find and kill cancer cells. They're super well tolerated. They're not chemotherapy. Um, and patients do very well. You can get a short course of vaccines and they last a lifetime. Todd Piper near Seattle is testing a vaccine intended to shrink lung cancer tumors. Bottom line is I have nothing to lose and, and everything to gain. Besides lung cancer, vaccine tests are underway in early and advanced breast cancer and ovarian cancer. I'm Ed Donahue. The United States is keeping close watch at developments in Russia following a weekend political crisis. White House correspondent Greg Clugston reports. An armed rebellion against Moscow unfolded on Saturday before the Wagner mercenary group agreed to end the uprising. 
President Biden says he and his Western counterparts are keeping in close contact. We're going to keep assessing the fallout of this weekend's events and the implications for Russia and Ukraine. But it's still too early to reach a definitive conclusion about where this is going. But he says no matter what comes next, the U.S. and the West remain committed to helping Ukraine defend itself against the Russian military. Greg Clugston, the White House. The Supreme Court has left in place an appellate ruling barring a North Carolina public charter school from requiring girls to wear skirts to school. The justices declined without comment Monday to hear an appeal from the Charter Day School in the eastern North Carolina town of Leland, A federal appeals court had ruled the school's dress code violated students' constitutional rights. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 12 points. The Nasdaq dropped 156. More at townhall.com. Every day is a new day with its new promises and challenges. And welcome back to. Hold on. (laughs) It says on air on the sign. We good? All right. And welcome back to hour two of our two part everything education special. Um, For those of you uh, watching on the live stream, uh, we've just continued from the last hour. If you missed the last hour, well, listen to this hour and then go back and watch the last hour because we're still live on social media on the David dot com on Twitter, on Facebook and all over the place. And we got some great guests coming on. And if you happen to be listening uh, on July 3rd, this pre-recorded episode, well, then you need to go back and listen to the show from last week if you did, if you missed it, because there's a, it's a two-part show. You have to go back and listen. So for those of you listening on the pre-recorded show uh, on Monday, July 3rd, I want to welcome you to the David Pollack Show. I have to tell you that I'm on vacation, so I'm happy you're listening, and I hope you guys are spending time with your family tomorrow and celebrating the independence of America. So uh, I hope you enjoy this show And we're really just continuing what we talked about um, in the last hour. In the last hour, um, you heard about um, HB1. Um, You heard about how the school choice is giving people options. You heard um, from Step Up for Students on how it's not the sky is falling. It's a good thing when parents have choice. And then you heard from our school board member, Amy Pennick, who she was talking about how, um, you know, Seminole County Public Schools is doing everything right, but the school choice is still good. Um, for the county. It's not necessarily just when there's bad things. Giving parents choice is better for everybody. It doesn't harm public schools. It helps everybody. So look, let's just be honest with each other. Take all the partisan talking points, throw them out the window. And we're talking about education is for our children. And if you want your kid to get the best possible education, you want the choice to be able to do that. This isn't a partisan issue. It's an education issue. Send your kid to public schools. Don't send your kid to public schools. But now in the second hour of the David Pollack show, Uh, Colleen's still with me, and we're going to talk later on with – there's a a homeschool representative, uh, somebody who has a podcast in homeschool. We're going to talk about representative from private schools, and we're going to talk about a representative from something called micro schools. So you're going to see all the options out there for you 
um, in addition to public school. And that's the point of the show. The point of the show is to give you as much information as possible. So on July 1st, when you can make a decision on if you want to apply for a scholarship for your child to have um, an, edu uh, an education outside of public school, you know what to do. This show is for you because you know what? There's a lot going on in the news. There's a lot of things you can turn on the news. You can find out about everything that's going on in the world, but this is information that's going to help everybody. It's going to help every family who has children who's sending them to school because education is very important. This is our future. This is our next generation. And the less conflict uh, we can put in these kids' lives, the better. Because honestly, and I've talked about this on other shows, the politicization of everything is just, it's getting obnoxious. Like sports, politicized. Food, politicized. The, the drive through restaurant you go to is politicized. The beer you drink is politicized. People are sick and tired of being everything having have, with having everything politicized, but even education now is becoming politicized. So you know what? If we give parents a choice and we can take politics out of education and really just focus on what's best for our children, regardless of what it is, then so be it. I think school choice is going to benefit everyone. And don't make don't be mistaken as to think that this only benefits like Republican kids. Or if you're if your child wants to have a certain education, if you want to teach your children certain things, you can find somewhere, someone who can teach your children consistent with your values. That's what school choice offers you. If you live in a community that may not have great schools, rather than put your kid on a bus for an hour, you have options now and, and you have money to send your kid to the school of your choice. This is a benefit for everybody, this is a win for everybody. It's a win for parents. You've heard it's a win for teachers and certainly a win for students. Colleen, what do you think? I 100% agree, no, not surprisingly. <laughs> uh, I think that you're the last guest, the school board guest, and she talked about her district and how well it's doing. And I, I think you said that was your district as well. And I'm in Pennsylvania, same thing here. We've got some school districts that perform really well, but even within those school districts, there are people that want something different for their kids. Maybe they want to homeschool. Maybe they want a Catholic school or a different Christian school or a Muslim school or a Jewish school or a Montessori school. It's just, there's so many different types of options that, that people can choose for their kids. And so just because some systematic approach is calling something a great school district, that doesn't mean it's necessarily going to work for every kid that happens to live within its borders. So I think that this is really the wave of the future and uh, Florida is yet again at the forefront of that. So lucky you. Yeah. I was, listen, I was super excited about it. We, we considered private school um, not because we weren't satisfied with the quality of the education, but for other reasons. And uh, we were concerned about how we were going to afford it. And then uh, school choice, the HB one passes. And it, I mean, my daughter remained in, in public school, but um, you know, it, 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 it provides opportunities for people to at least have a choice. And I don't see that as being a negative. And you heard, um, you know, you heard like th that the apocalypse sky is falling sort of arguments. And, and we saw statistics from Ron that that's not actually true. And so, yeah, Florida is leading the way. And, and of course, it's being billed as being controversial. I don't see it as controversial. Now, you're a Cato Institute. You study policy. This is what you do. So from your perspective, seeing what's happening in Florida, and I think there was, I think Arizona also has school choice, and they're another state that's leading the way in it. How do you think it's going to spread around the country? And, and what do you think the future, do you think choice is going to expand? So far, it's been a mostly red state phenomenon. Uh, Arizona, as you mentioned, uh, Utah this year, Iowa, Oklahoma just passed a universal tax credit, which will allow parents to get 
most of their tuition that they're paying for private school back in the form of a tax credit. So it's definitely spreading. And I, I think it's going to continue in the red state. There's a bit of a red state competition going on. Now, something is interesting is happening here in Pennsylvania, which is, I guess, a purple state. We have a Democrat governor, and there is a bill right now being um, considered. It's called Lifeline Scholarship, and it would be aimed at kids in the lowest 15% of schools in the state, public schools, based on the state testing. And it would provide scholarships for kids in those schools to be able to choose a private school instead. And our Democrat governor has expressed support for it. So if there, there's budget negotiations happening right now, and if that makes it through and that program is enacted, it's one of, if not the first time for a Democrat governor to enact school choice. So everyone's waiting very anxiously to see what happens here in Pennsylvania. We do have some school choice. We have tax credit scholarships similar to one of the programs that you guys have in Florida, but this would be the first of this type of state-funded scholarship program. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's an uphill climb still, but just to have a Democrat governor expressing potential support for it is a pretty big milestone and possibly will be an indicator of things to come. I, I think it's only so long that governors can resist this in their states when you have if you've got, you know, half the states have all these amazing options for families, pretty soon the, the blue state parents are going to start saying, hey, what about me? Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think that it's a red state issue? How has uh, how has this become political? How has school choice become political? I don't I don't understand. Like, I hear the arguments and, I, and the, the main argument I hear and I, and I talked to Ron about this, the, it's that this is taking funding away from public schools. This is going to hurt kids. Uh, you know, who rely on public schools is taking money out of the public school system. But it kind of seems to me that it's become a partisan issue because it's really uh, taking money from unions because that's really teachers are leaving public schools. If you don't have many teachers in your unions, is that what's going on? Is this really uh, special interest groups putting their own interests ahead of students interests? What is the big deal? How is it a partisan issue to provide choice and money to parents who pay taxes how is it a partisan issue to send their child to a school that they choose? It's not a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's not like you can only send Republicans. It's not like only Republican children can go to can use school choice. Everybody can. So wh what do you, why do you think that is? Well, it's not partisan among parents or the general public. It's really only partisan among lawmakers. And, you know, that just is because of who's giving them the donations and, Teachers unions have a lot of power in the Democrat Party, and they're very against this because, and that doesn't even mean all the individual teachers are, it's the unions that are against it. And a lot of times the teachers, you know, they're very busy people, and they don't necessarily have time to go research all these policy issues. And I think a lot of times they just believe what the unions are telling them, and they don't recognize what we were talking about in the last hour, where it could be really beneficial for teachers to have more options. And I think more and more people, more and more teachers are seeing that, but still the unions have an awful lot of control there. And then interestingly, in some states like Texas is a very red state and they have a hard time getting school choice through. And there it's more the rural Republicans and the school districts in those states have a lot of power over the Republican lawmakers, you know, the rural ones, especially because those school districts are oftentimes the biggest employer in the area. And so they are going to say to the lawmakers, hey, you know, you better not vote for this because we're dependent on our school district. But what they don't understand is at least these lawmakers, 
if new schools are created in their area, that's new jobs too. So it's not like there's going to be a loss of jobs and then all of a sudden it's all gone. The kids are still going to need to be educated. So a lot of times micro schools come in or other private schools or charter schools, and those are still jobs for adults. So if your concern is using schools as a jobs program, which frankly they should not be, but that seems to be what it boils down to a lot of times. Well, even with school choice, there's still going to be jobs in education. So it's, it's politicized. I mean, that's why parents of every demographic are supportive of it. In a lot of polls, Democrat parents are more supportive of it than Republican parents even. And you would think when you think about what Democrats claim to be, they claim to be there for, you know, the underdog and the under, you know, the less privileged and things like that. Well, those are the people that benefit the most from school choice. So it doesn't make any sense from that perspective either. I think the problem is not enough parents vote on the issue. And as parents do that and prioritize it, then that's going to help turn the tide too. And I think that that's part of what happened in Florida. Yeah. And, and, and you, and you're right. I mean, it seems like the unions are, are really at the heart of a lot of problems. I mean, the unions kept the schools shut down longer than they need to. The unions were damaging to students, uh, not Republican, to all students, especially in, in some of your blue states. Um, this, the 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 um, the school boards were or I'm sorry, the unions were m- really harming kids who needed to go back to school. And, and the, even the teachers wanted to go back to school. And what you're starting to see is that the unions are creating these environments where teachers don't even want to be at public schools anymore. So that's my question to you is what is the end result of school choice? Because I do believe it's going to spread. I think people are going to see the models. I do think that people in blue states are going to want it. You're starting to see it now. But my question to you is, what is the end result of school choice? I mean, do you have some of the better teachers who are sick of the unions and their control going to some of these alternative education options? And I mean, do you see it really having a serious impact on public schools? Or do you think eventually they'll start pushing back on unions? Well, right now, there's a huge imbalance of power. The parents who they should be the consumers, you know, for their, on behalf of their students. But right now, a lot of times the power relies, you know, it resides in the political parties, the, uh, the teachers union, the rest of the education establishment, you know, the school board association in a lot of states, uh, superintendents associations. So all these, which are essentially taxpayer funded organizations, and they are lobbying very hard against school choice and parents just need to rise up and say, we're not going to take this anymore. And, and so do individual teachers. And most of the time when you see surveys of job dissatisfaction for teachers, it's not about pay. It's not about benefits usually. That might be something on the list, but it's almost always about the red tape, the bureaucracy, the, the lack of autonomy in the classroom. And all of those things are improved school choice because if you have a monopoly system, then you're going to have to have all those rules and regulations on it. Otherwise, there's no way for parents to feel like, or you know, politicians to feel like they've got any control over the system. But when you have school choice, then you can have more flexibility because if something's not working for your student, you can leave. Exactly. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to bring in Tom Smith. He's a former public school teacher and principal, and now he's a, a principal at a Catholic school. And he's going to kind of give us an overview of some of the benefits that private school offers to children. And um, so I'm excited for that. So you guys, if you're live online, stick around. We're going to take a very quick break. And if you're listening to the radio show on Monday, uh, we'll be back right after this.
and welcome back to the David Pollack Show special two-part education, everything education. What? <laughs> for those of you listening live, we're going to fix this for live radio because Gabe just told me something and I'm going to start over. Gabe, tell me when I'm starting over. I'm starting over. Okay. So now you're getting the live people at home are getting a behind the scenes of how we pre-record a radio show. So you're getting a bonus if you stuck around for the two-part show. All right. We're going to start back up. <laughs> are we ready to go, Gabe? All right, cool. <laughs> and welcome back for, for the uh, second segment, I guess, of the uh, David Pollack show. Where we're talking everything education. And um, for those of you listening on Monday, July 3rd on the pre-recorded show, uh, I hope you've enjoyed all the information we're giving you. We're going to continue to go over all of the different options that you might have in, in alternative to public schools. Again, if you didn't listen to the first part of this show, it's available at the davidpollockshow.com. You can watch past episodes there. You just click it and you watch the whole first hour. It's also available as a podcast. So you can go to the David Pollock Show podcast on any of your favorite podcasting platforms, iTunes, or what do they call it now? Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play, all of that. The David Pollock Show can be found there. So go and listen to the first hour. We talk about HB1, the school toy scholarship. We talk about all of it. Go back and listen to the first hour. Now we're going to be bringing in um, a, a representative from private schools. His name's Tom Smith. He's a former public school teacher, principal, and now he's in the in the private school world. He's a Catholic school principal. And what we wanted to do is bring you in, uh, Tom. So welcome to the David Pollack Show. Hi, David. Hi, Colleen. Thanks for having me on the show today, David. Oh, we appreciate you being here. What, would it, what we're hoping for you to do is be able to tell our listeners and viewers um, what private school can offer their students in an alternative to public school. What What's the difference to private school and public school? Well, with the private school that, that I'm in at Bishop McCourt Catholic School here in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, uh, the number one thing in our school is faith. The faith-based piece is, has been uh, tremendous. Our school has impacted a lot of uh, young people in, in, in so many positive ways, especially given the times that we're living in right now. And also, we're not, we're not held to standardized testing. We don't have to spend all that extra time preparing for those tests when we can teach kids uh, the things that they need to know to get prepared for college. So th those are two things that, that stand out whenever I was in the public school world and moved into the private school world that really stood out to me uh, early on in that move. And and in addition to, and, and I, of course, if you want a faith-based education for your child, private school is basically the only way you can go. But in, in the private school space, I mean, there's there's private school offers opportunities for children to have an education in all kinds of things, whether it's faith based or whether it's it, it's something else. Um, right. Educationally, do, do do public school? I mean, private schools offer smaller class sizes, more personal attention. I mean, what is the big difference? I mean, I know as a public as a parent with public school children, um, I, my assumption is, oh, private school, you're going to have smaller classes. You're going to you know, I guess the misconception is they're always going to be expensive. I mean, what what does a private school right. look like educationally compared to a public school, besides the religious well, aspect of it, if, for those who are interested in that? Well, the, the people that I take on tours for somebody, I always tell them, if you're going to come to our private school, I'd like you to come to the schoolhouse during the day when all of the kids are here. Uh, so when you walk in, we, we have uniforms. Um, we have a, a code of conduct there that we adhere to and and if the students don't, don't adhere to that code of conduct, they don't last very long. And that is because 
of we have to maintain a certain standard, and there are certain families that want that standard, need that standard, and want that for their children. So as soon as you walk into our school, it's a, it's a completely different type of atmosphere. I think it's a very inviting atmosphere. Um, I think it's one that is, is, is what parents want. They're seeking private education. They want them to have that structure. And I think the structure in the private school system is much different than that um, in the public school system in terms of, uh, you know, the dress code, the way that you can't have, you can't color your hair, and there's no, no body art. Uh, there's a lot of things like that that we think uh, that are important to parents. And then once kids get out into society and, and they get to be older, then they can begin to make those decisions for themselves. But it's just a lot of things that traditional people want, a traditional lifestyle for their kids while they're young. And we can certainly provide that. For them. And, and, you know, and being a parent of, you know, I, I have a 12 year old um, middle school can be really challenging because, you know, a lot of it, you know, the style and what people are wearing and making sure you're always you know, wearing all the popular clothes, wearing the right shoes, the right brand clothes, the T-shirts. And mm-hmm. I, my daughter the other day wanted a Nirvana shirt because that's what all the kids are wearing. And I'm like, have you even, she called it Nevada. She can be mad at me, by the way, <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, Nirvana. She wanted a Nirvana shirt. So I made her listen to Nirvana before I bought her this shirt. <laughs> she hated it. Right. But now she knows who Nirvana yeah. is. She got the shirt. But the thing is, you know, I feel like that's a lot of pressure, especially for young girls. And do you find that that, that students are able to focus more on education when they're not, um, you know, being pressured uh, by, by, I guess, trying to fit in from, you know. David, not even a question. Uh, that atmosphere, that, that piece that, uh, that you're talking about creates an atmosphere and really a, a sense of professionalism amongst the students that, hey, we're in school, we're to act and behave a certain way. Uh, kids, parents have reported to me when, once they transfer in, that, you know what, we're not worried about what they have to wear to school in the morning because everybody's wearing the same thing. And, uh, you know, we have kids from all different walks of life in our school system. We're located in a very low-income uh, area of Pennsylvania. It's the poorest city in Pennsylvania. So we have a lot of poor kids in our school, but we also have a lot of wealthy kids in our school. And so there's a lot of diversity here. And I think that lends itself to that piece in regard to uh, some of the kids that may have and some that, don't do, that, that, that do not. And I think it removes the, that barrier a little bit and allows kids to be kids, kids amongst themselves. Yeah, and, and, and that's, a, that's a great point you brought up. It could talk about the different socioeconomic statuses that are housed in, in one school. Do you see any because do you see any fights? I mean, are, are there fights in your school? I mean, are there behavioral issues or do you find that you have less of that in private school? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I've been the principal there. I've had one minor conflict in the five years I've been principal there. One. Wow. So, so 378 kids. What do you attribute that to? to? The faith element or the smaller class sizes, the support? What, what do you attribute that to? Because I know in public school, they would just assume that, oh, kids come from rough neighborhoods, so they fight. I don't believe that. Um, I think, now, is it an engagement? What is it? I think it's some of the things we just talked about. I think it's when you... When you dress a certain way and you present yourself a certain way, you know you're there for business to get educated. People are paying to go to school there to some degree, and there's some others there that cannot afford to pay that are happy to be there. And when you're in that situation, I think that all lends to creating a certain atmosphere. I do believe that we have a very special atmosphere in our school, and we're able to cultivate that, like you said, because of some of the low numbers there. We have people that want to be there. I don't know of one student that's at our school that does not want to be in it. And that makes a tremendous difference when you're trying to educate and build. And uh, we've found over the course of the last five years uh, that that is happening more and more. We've had 150 students flow into our school in the last three years. 
transfer into our school hundred over 150. And that is, uh, I think that says a lot about what we're doing and the way that we do that. And some of those things that we've talked about already. Wow. And, and I, I feel, go, Colin, uh, please go ahead. Uh, I think you're kind of alluding to this, but uh, parental involvement, what role does that play? Because I know when my daughter was in public school, I was not allowed to be there almost ever, even though she was in kindergarten. And when we were at a Catholic school, it was a very different situation. Uh, we, we are all about the parents and the parents, uh, uh, you know, making the decision as to what they want for their children. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're a big part of, of, of what we do at Bishop Court. We give them a voice in things. We just instituted a uh, school week uh, with a bonus enrichment day on Fridays. And our parents were a part of the, of the development of that. Uh, we had focus groups with parents and we weren't going to do it unless they wanted it. And so that tells you a little bit about the influence that our stakeholders have at our school. And uh, it, it's just, uh, it's great to have parents that want to be involved and help drive what we're trying to build. They help drive our vision and they help, they're a very, very big force behind what we do um, in our school system. And if we don't have them, it doesn't work. Wow. So you guys, Colleen, great question again. All right, guys, well, you've heard it. I mean, that's what private school offers. And, you know, besides what you've, what you've heard, um, you know, obviously you hear that private school it can give your student structure. Um, and an education that maybe they can't get in public schools. It's not, and I don't know why we can't employ some of those things in the public school, like uniforms and, 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 and strict behavior uh, standards. But I guess that's for the school board member. Maybe we'll have Amy back on. But uh, um, I really appreciate, Tom, thank you so much for joining the David Pollock Show. We got to take a hard break. And thank you for everything you've done, both in the public education world and in the private education world. And thanks for taking care of the children. I appreciate that, and we're going to continue to do that for some time to come. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right, guys, stick around. we got more of the David Pollack Show coming up right after this break. We're going to be talking uh, to Shireen Radigan. She is um, from the Colossal Academy, which is a micro school. We're going to tell you all about that here in just a minute. And then coming up after that, we got um, uh, Dawn Janowitz from Hooked on Homeschool. She's going to talk about homeschool. So we have a lot of different options for you if you want to find alternatives to public school. Again, not there's anything wrong with public school. We just want to inform you about what's going on. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. David Pollack Show with Colleen, who asked great questions, will be right back after this. And welcome back to the David Pollack Show. We hope you're getting uh, informed with all of the things, all of the information we're giving you. Again, if you didn't hear the first hour of the show, uh, you need to go to the davidpollockshow.com where you can find past episodes and listen to it or watch it. Or you go to the David Pollock Show podcast. You can find it on any of your favorite podcasting platforms because in the first hour, we talked about school choice, which allows you to go to private schools uh, and be able to afford them easily, more easily. And that's what you just heard about what that can offer you. Um, we also heard from Step Up for Students, how you, the, pers- the organization you go to apply um, for these scholarships. And you heard from a Seminole County School Board member who told you that public school in Seminole County is doing all right. So you do have options. So this hour of the show, we want to kind of give you all the different options that you have if you want to educate your child outside of public school. And you've already heard um, from Tom Smith, who represents a, a, a Catholic private school and told you about all the opportunities private school offers there. And again, in Florida now, 
You can afford to send your kid to private school if you couldn't afford it before. You heard Representative Placencia talk about um, in our first hour. If you hadn't heard, you got to go back and listen to it. You heard it, uh, Representative Placencia talk about you can negotiate with private schools on their tuition. And, you know, then you can get up to $8,000 per kid in Florida now. All you got to do is apply. And there's plenty of money, guys. So there's no reason if you want to look at some of these alternatives to public education that you can't take advantage of it. So right now I want to introduce you to a different type of alternative form of education. And this is something called the micro school. And I'm going to learn about that too, because I don't know much about it. Um, but I'm bringing in a Shireen Radigan. She's from the Colossal Academy. She's the founder and lead educational curator at the Colossal Academy. Welcome to the David Pollock Show with Colleen, special guest host. Thank you so much, David and Colleen, for having me. So great to be here and talking about all the amazing choices that we have uh, moving into 23-24 school year. So can you tell us, what is a micro school? Sure. In my case, a micro school is just a school that is intentionally small. Um, really, it came out of wanting to be in a small environment. I think students thrive in a smaller environment where we can have more one-on-one -on -one time, where they can dive more deeply into topics. Uh, a parent calls it gourmet learning, which I absolutely love because um, it doesn't take us much time to actually get through our academics um, so that we're able to do uh, passion-filled education and they can choose kind of what they want to do. So that could look like thrones or sewing or cooking, gardening. It could be a myriad of different things. But micro school really allows for the personalization of education. It allows for a small individual um, attention. And in, in essence, it's, it's a small school. How does that compare to a Montessori school or a private school? Is there a tuition or how does it work? Sure, sure. So at Colossal Academy, we went through the K-12 um, Department of Education, the Florida Department of Education. So for us, we decided we wanted to, that was something that was important to us because we wanted to be uh, accessible through the step-up program uh, and, and be affordable to people. So, um, you know, we, we, what was the question? <laughs> I lost track of thought here. You're having so much fun. That you forgot what I even asked you. <laughs> it's summer. I'm like, woo, that's a pool. <laughs> I was asking, what the, how does a micro school compare to like a private school or a oh, Montessori yes. school? Mm -hmm. And if there's tuition or how does that work? Sure. So, you know, South Florida has an amazing tapestry of just a very vibrant ecosystem of different learning models. So my school is probably more reflective to a Montessori, but Flex Academy, for instance, is really looking to do something that is 21st century, uh, a little bit more on the academic rigorous side. Um, and then we have other schools that are out in nature, right? And they spend all day out in nature in a, uh, a, a, a per nature preserve, right? So it just, it just depends on really what the, what the families are looking for. And in South Florida, we're really lucky because we have such a robust um, portfolio of different offerings. Uh, this last weekend, we had um, the Innovative Educator Network, which it was founded by myself and uh, Tony from Surfgate Science. We had a connect, and we wanted to connect families with what it, what are some possibilities. We had 450 people sign up through Eventbrite, and 650 people showed up to the event. Wow. So people are looking for choices and options, and we have so many. And so I just want 
parents and, and families and, and caregivers to know that the school you're looking for might exist. And if it doesn't, that you can create it. Now, I'm going to ask one more question. I'm going to turn the entire sure. segment over to Colleen because she asks good questions that I don't want to keep talking over. I just forget sometimes that she's there because I'm in a studio by myself and she's on the phone. So <laughs> but I have one last question. Uh, how does the K through 12 micro school, how did kids do um, for like college prep, for example, with college admissions? And how do you see them doing um, when they get, um, you know, to the college age? Like, are they performing well on test scores? Are their acceptance rates high? Yeah, that's a really excellent question. Actually, my students are doing really well. I know in my case, we take a norm reference test and they are blowing those tests out of the water. Um, my One of my students just took the SATs and he's performing really high, um, 1500 uh, scores yeah. on that. And so they're doing well because we're able to slow down, take our time, go as fast or as slow. I have a sixth grader doing eighth grade math next year, right? Uh, a student of mine just built a whole bunch of computers. He just got his certification in cybersecurity, and he's 13. Wow. <laughs> because we just keep the class size small, and we're not managing behaviors all the time, right? I'm, I'm middle school. I work with middle schoolers. So half of the class, of a 50-minute class, I'm like, no, you can't use the bathroom. Put your backpack over there. Close the door. Stop touching him. Put your paper down, right? Like, a lot of it is managing people. But when you're small, you can actually just, not have to deal with all the management of, of how to run and operate a class, but really get to the heart of what we're, what we're there to do, which is education and, and growing a passion for learning. That's excellent. Colleen, I'm going to turn it over to you. Trine, I love the innovative educator group that you're talking about. And oh, I, I was hoping maybe you could just go a little bit into that more so that people can understand better like how they can get involved in something like that whether they live in your area or look for something in their area or, you know, just connect with others who are doing this sort of thing. Sure. You know, Tony from First State Science had a wild dream one day and said, you know what, let's get all the founders together because we have such a, a beautiful ecosystem down here. We're, we're really in the midst of the educational renaissance. And I said, that's a great idea. So we invited some people to have dinner and we found we all have kind of a similar struggle, struggles. As founders, we're dealing with, um, and entrepreneurs, is a whole entrepreneur way of being. Um, I, I like to think that being an entrepreneur takes you through the farthest depths of what you are possible, what, what your possibilities of, of what you can do in life are. And they take you to the darkest places of where your mind might be. And we just need fellowship. And we need other people who are going through a similar uh, experience to to no, we're not alone, right? So to build community so that we can continue to get back in the saddle and do what we have to do. Um, so we started off with four, <laughs> four people that came to our dinner. Um, and edu uh, Vela Education Fund uh, helped give us a, a small grant for, um, for the gathering. And then it went to 25. And then we were at 35. Last, um, I think, Colleen, you were at one of our, uh, our meetups and it was 75 people. And this last round, we had, obviously, this, it was also including parents, um, 650 attendees. So what we're really hoping to do is to help other places to build this kind of um, collaborative founder support space. And so I know we're, we're helping Orlando right now and Tampa to start to organize around the founders that are there so that they can have support. 
Um, Miami has asked us to help them put on an expo for the educational choices in their area. And we're so, so honored and pleased to, to help them to get the word out about what they're offering because Miami also has a really beautiful uh, amount of different programming that families can take advantage of. And in addition to, you know, the moral support and all that, you also share resources and stuff too, right? So that not everybody's not reinventing the wheel every time they need something. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I go off and do a lot of speaking engagements and I go to different places and I'm constantly learning more about how to be a better entrepreneur, how to be a better educator, a leader. So our meetings generally center around something. So it might be around funding. How do we fund our operations? How do you raise seed money? How do you raise scholarship money, right? Um, it might it last one time we went on the rooftop of <laughs> and we were able to have a, a gathering where we pitched to each other our one minute or I'm sorry our elevator pitches to each other so that we could just get used to having that quick snippet of you know I'm Serene Radigan and I run a micro school just to have those on hand and ready and the more you practice it the easier it becomes um, and then we all got headshots for instance because we all get a nice headshot <laughs> and that's just something that we might be coming out of being parents and now running a, a school or, be, or or educators and now running a school and maybe didn't come from the business side, but these are definitely components that we all need to be successful. So having a nice headshot, having our LinkedIn look well, how, knowing how to access resources as far as um, funding, but also like who, who has discounted, <laughs> who has discounted fire extinguishers? How do we get, um, how, who do I call in the city to find out? what I need to do to be in compliance with the zoning and the, and the, and the codes there. So these are just how we gather, how about, we like gather around say, um, different ideas. Sorry. Go ahead, uh, for the uh, scholarship, you said that you, you incorporated or, you know, whatever formed as a private school so that you could participate in the step up you know, in the scholarship programs. Was that difficult? And are there resources for others who are looking to do something similar? Like how hard is it for somebody coming in, at you know step zero to get to that point where you can participate in the school choice program well now we hb1 has just been passed and so that really shifts the landscape which is super exciting because you can be a provider as a tutor as a music teacher uh as well as a full uh school like mine that we offer a five-day program um so previously you had to go through the doe the private school um, it's a myriad of things you have to do, uh, such as outfitting your your classroom or your schoolhouse. I have a thousand square feet, so <laughs> I had to put in a sprinkler system and a fire panel. And, and not that, you know, those things are important, but also they take away from uh, what I need to be doing as far as funding. Um, so now it's, it's a little bit easier to be able to access, even as a homeschooler, you can access the, the ESA money. You, need, you do need to do a few things. If you're going to be a homeschooler in the state of Florida and access um, homeschool, excuse me, the ESA funding, you do need to um, go with a homeschool navigator that can help you to uh, create your personalized education plan, which you do need to report. Um, and I, I'm not clear yet. I think we're not clear yet if that's quarterly, weekly, how that's going to look. Um, and then you also need to take a norm reference test, and that's going to allow your child to or your family to utilize ESA funding, which can be used for computers, it can be used for tutoring, it could be used for 
programs and providers that have gone through um, Step Up that have been approved. Shereen, our next guest is a homeschooler, so she'll yeah, be able we're going to be talking all about that. that. Part of it a little more. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Shereen, I've got to go to a break, but let me ask: if people want to find out more about microschools uh, or even the Colossal Academy, how how can people find information about what the microschools that might be in their area? Yeah, so you can check on um, well, Microschool Florida has a beautiful directory. Innovative Educator Network also has a beautiful directory of what we're doing down here, and we are continuing to build within Florida. Uh, our, our landscape are our, our, uh, showcasing what we have available. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shireen Radigan, for being on the show from the Colossal thank Academy. Um, you guys are doing great work down there, and we appreciate you know the innovation that you're doing on behalf of the kids. So thanks so much for being on the David Pollack Show. Thank you so much for having With me. With special thanks, guest Colleen. Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> so don't go anywhere. Um, our final segment, we have Dawn Janowitz coming back uh, or coming on to the show. Um, she's been on before a long time ago when, uh, when we had uh, – we were Sean Sean Holcomb was on. He was performing country music, and it turned out his mother um, was on Dawn's show the same day she was on my show. So we're excited to have her back. So don't go anywhere. Dawn Janowitz of Hooked on Homeschool is coming on the Dave Pollock show, uh, and so that'll be at right after the break. So don't go anywhere. Dave Pollock show will be right back. And welcome back to the David Pollack Show, education, everything education, two-part special. Man, two hours has just flown by. If you've been listening the whole time, awesome, right? I mean, all the information you could possibly want with public school, homeschool, school choice, uh, applying for school choice, different options outside of of public school, the public school here in Seminole County, and and and, and school. Cho- I mean, the inf- it's been a lot of information, and look. All of this is available to you on the davidpollockshow.com, on our social media, or as a podcast. So you can keep going back and referring to all of the information that you've heard on the two-part show. So if you want more information on any of these things, go to the davidpollockshow.com, especially the podcast. You can listen to it whenever, but on our website as well. So all of this information is here for you. So I want to bring in Don Janowitz of Hooked on Homeschool. Don, welcome back to the David Pollock Show with David Pollock Hi, and, and guest host Colleen. Hi, Dave and Colleen. How are you guys? Hi, Don. We're doing fantastic, and we're just chugging along here with all of the all of the edu- information we can give on education. And, and so you are our last guest on a marathon two-part show where we're talking about everything education. And uh, what we're talking about is all the different forms um, uh, of education in alternative to public school. And, and you have a podcast on homeschool. Great information on Hooked on Homeschool. Everybody should check it out. So what is the di- – like, what's homeschool? If I, if I want an option – um, to educate my child outside of public school. What's the deal with homeschool? A lot of people are doing it. What's homeschool? What do you get? Yeah, from so it? they sure are. So the last few years have really changed. I t- um, took my son out of school almost eight years ago, and it was a lot different. I just took him out. Basically, I didn't like the routine of school. I didn't like the getting up every day, the hustle, sending them to school. And um, really what did it for me was when the teacher told me that my son asked too many questions. And I know that asking questions is a good thing. And so I just said, you know, let me homeschool. I kind of always wanted to. And um, what homeschool is not is it it is not schooling at home. So you don't want it to really look anything like school. You don't want it to be seven hours a day. You don't want, you know, textbooks and books and, you know, a, a school desk. You really want to create a home learning environment for them in whatever that looks like. 
there's many different styles, there's many different approaches, and you find your child's best learning style, and then you kind of just allow them to lead, and you help them, and you grow with them, and you learn with them, and it's really a lot of fun. It's engaging. Your children are learning right there alongside you, and um, you're get you get to instill the values that you want to instill in your children, and um, it really forms a better connection. You get to see what your kids are doing, and it's just really great. There's, I don't think there's any negative with homeschooling. Yeah, except for having your kids at home all day. <laughs> but, but <laughs> I joke. Um, but at the same time, public school has become almost like a daycare. I mean, there's, of course, we want them to get an education, but school has become. And you saw it during COVID. School has become a place where parents rely on, um, so they can go and work. And it's unfortunate, yeah. and but that's that's the reality of it. Not a lot of parents can homeschool. What's and what's one I'm very interested in how HB one can help maybe uh, offset some of the costs of homeschooling. Are you familiar with any of the aspects of HB one and, and how it's going to impact homeschool? I I know that it's a very good thing, and I and I know a little bit about what um, the previous lady talked about, but I haven't gotten into it as much um, because there's still a lot of things still coming out. But I know it's really good, and a lot of people can really benefit from it. Yeah. Colleen. Sure. So one of the things with HP1 is, so it's a little bit different. If you want to educate your kids at home, you have to do something called a personalized education program. And so there's, there's different structures in place, but it does allow for parents to educate their kids at home under a different mechanism. Um, there's just, so there's a lot of little bits that they haven't quite worked out yet, I think, but they would still enroll with Step Up for Students and go through that route just like a private school <clears throat> scholarship recipients would. But um, are you seeing, like with the HB1, have you seen increased interest in, are you in some homeschooling groups and have you seen in increased interest from people who are now considering it? Not necessarily from that bill. I think if someone wants to do it, they're going to do it, and then that bill will really just help them out. Um, but people aren't like, I haven't noticed. I even asked um, a few homeschoolers the other day. I, we, I was at a group and not a whole lot of people uh, really know all the specifics of it. I think because it's so new, doesn't it just start like now or next week or something? July 1st. Right, right, July yeah, 1st. You can start applying. Yeah, July 1st. yeah. So I think everybody's kind of waiting. Well, what's great also with homeschooling is, you know, now you have resources, you have options. Back in the day, people thought if you used co-ops and micro schools or hybrid schools that that wasn't homeschooling. But it really is. Anytime that a, 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 a parent leads a child's education, that is homeschooling. And so now you have resources. You have options. You don't have to, Dave, be with your child 24-7 if you don't want to. <laughs> but if, if you want to homeschool because you want to get them out of public school, because what COVID did, it kind of lifted the veil of what they're teaching in school. And a lot of people don't like that. And they're like, whoa, if that's what they're teaching, I don't want my child there. And you're right. They can't be with their kids all day. So they can use these extra resources, the co-ops and the hybrids and the micro schools and all these things to really help them homeschool. If they really want to do it, there's a lot of options out there. Can you go through and about- but Is there much oh, in the way of, um, in your area, is there much in the way of support groups and co-ops and things like that? Or is there's that tons. something that- In Orlando there, and, and you know what? Really anywhere, anywhere you go, there is lots of resources. There's lots of groups. There's lots of people. And everyone wants to help everybody. Like we're all in this together. We want to be there for you. You're a newbie. Come here. Let me, let me help you with anything that you need. It, it's like a little, you know, a little club we're in. Everybody wants to help everybody out. There's no competition. There's a, it's a lot of friendly faces. We want to do field trips. We just want to have fun and 
have a good time with our kids and, and raise great human beings. And, and academics is kind of second nature to really your kids being around other children who have really good character traits and skills and, you know, things like that. Don, what is a typical day in, a, in about one minute? What is a typical day of a homeschool student look like uh, academically? And, and so if a parent wants to get into homeschooling and might be overwhelmed with the idea of being their kid's teacher, uh, what does that look like? I mean, is, are they teaching their kid all day? Or, I mean, w- what's there for them? What does that look like? Yep. So um, what I can tell you is on my podcast, I actually interview homeschool moms of their everyday routine. And it looks completely different. Every mom does something different. But typically you do between one and three hours of schooling with your children. So most of us start in the morning. We like to just start in the morning. You know, brains are fresh, but literally by lunch, you're done. You eat lunch and then you have the rest of the day. You do a field trip. You go to the mall, you go shopping, you go outside, you play, you go in the pool, you meet with friends. And so your kids are kind of getting a mixture of they're doing their schoolwork. Now you have unschoolers. That's a whole nother thing where, you know, that's just child-led. They do what they want if they want to. You know, my daughter draws. She's an artist. I'll let her draw all, for six hours instead of doing uh, schoolwork because uh, that's what she loves. That's what her, she, her passion is. And so it just kind of depends where, what philosophy that you see your child doing. But usually in the morning, for the most part, I would say, you know, everyone gets up, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, they start school, and they're done by, done by lunchtime. And then lunchtime happens, and then typically the rest of the day is off. Yeah, you know, and that's great to hear. I noticed – uh, during COVID, when my kids were home, you know, doing online education, uh, they were getting done with their schoolwork so fast and they had so much time left in their mm-hmm. day to do whatever. And I'm like, man. And then I talked to my daughter now who's in school and she's like, I'm like, what'd you do today? Oh, we watched a movie. What'd you do today? Oh, we did a test. What'd you do after that? Oh, we just, you know, played on our phones. I'm yeah. wondering how much time in a school day is wasted again because of the childcare element. And really, there's no more studies that need to be done for the curriculum and now it's just well we have you here for so many hours so let's just fill the time and, and yeah I, I can see how being on homeschool and being on self-led sort of education can take you you know to yeah. your academic goals without wasting time of just having to kind of be somewhere don thank you so much for being on the david pollock show everybody go check out hooked on homeschool it's a, a great a, a educational podcast i think you're top 10 on uh, yes, Apple Podcasts yes, now. I Congratulations did. Did. on that. Thank and so, so keep much. up thank the great you. work. And thank you for being on the David Pollock Show. Everybody go check out Don Janowitz. And Colleen, thank you so much for thank guest you. hosting the David Pollock Show today. And we've had so much great information, uh, great exchanges, great guests. And I really appreciate you being part of the show. And hopefully you come back anytime. Um, and thanks for being such a great resource to our show today. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, it was my pleasure. Well, that's it, guys. Our two-part, first time ever for the David Pollack Show, two-part special on everything education. Hopefully you heard all two hours. If not, again, everything's available at the davidpollockshow.com where you can go and watch the last hour, this hour. And for those of you listening uh, on uh, Monday's pre-recorded show, uh, happy Independence Day. Um, have fun. Uh, be careful with your fireworks. No blown-off fingers. Um, and, of course... Uh, Let's go America. And uh, thank you so much for listening to David Pollock show. We're here live again next week, 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. Monday. Stay, stick with us.